Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to the live mic. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I want you to hear some of the music right now coming from a memorial service taking place in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now, remembering the late George Floyd. There is singing happening. The crowd is on its feet. Uh, The Reverend Al Sharpton is there. He just concluded his speaking. He's uh, returning to the microphone now. Let's listen to the Reverend. All right, as we remain standing, I want to recognize Clyde Bellacourt of the American Indian Movement. Brother Bellacourt, we're honored that you came. Thank you. And let me say they recognize someone yell out the state chair of the NAACP and many of Black Lives Matter, many of the grassroots organizations that have been doing the protests on the ground in Minneapolis and around the country. Movements are about everybody. We don't exclude anybody. Those young folks, some of them organic, some organized on their own, some NAACP, some Urban League, some National Action Network. We need everybody. This is not a competition. This is a movement. And we need to stop our competing and start fighting the real enemy. Thank you for doing what y'all are doing. When I got here, they were marching, and they kept marching. They didn't need nobody to come organize something. They organized, and we're going to stay organized. And I really uh, thank them for their work. We want to pause for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. I want you, we, because of... The pandemic, I'm not going to ask you to take hands, but I want you to stand next to someone with the right distance. The amazing thing about this movement, people say they never seen marches all over the country. Well, we've had that, but we never had it in a pandemic. The reason I know this is a different time is people came out by the hundreds of thousands at risk of their own health to stand up. People that had been sheltered in broke out of shelter. First flight I took was to come here in many weeks. And maybe in God's own way, Martin, the fact we were sheltered means we couldn't watch sports, couldn't watch nothing. We had to keep watching that tape. Maybe because we had no distractions that finally we are ready to deal with this. So as we stand, I I would like 
us to stand together. And I think there's only one woman up here. I want uh, uh, Tiffany, since I was disrespectful, would you come stand with us up here? Tiffany Haddish, so you won't be talking about me in your next interview. And I would like the mother of Eric Garner, whose mother of the one who originally died of police custody, saying I can't breathe, to stand with me and Ben Crump on stage. It's Gwen Carr. Let us stand. Somebody said, Reverend, eight minutes is a long time. That minute was long enough for the police to understand what they were doing. That meant it was long enough for one of them three cops to stop what was going on. That means it was long enough for whatever this officer had in mind for him to rethink. As you go through these long eight minutes, think about what George was going through, laying there for those eight minutes, begging for his life. Heard someone say, narrating his own death. We can't let this go. We can't keep living like this. Sam Jackson, is Sam still here? We, Steve Jackson, Steve Jackson, is he here? Steve, we won't recognize, I was recognizing everybody. We got to stop this here. And we got to end this time, bring about a new season. The Reverend Al Sharpton speaking before a gathered group in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the first of what is expected to be many memorial services uh, honoring George Floyd and remembering him and calling individuals to action. I hope, uh, I, I, I intend no disrespect in turning away from this memorial service as they commence this 8 minute and 40 second moment of silence. Uh, just know that that is what's happening in an auditorium in Minneapolis, Minnesota right now. 8 minutes and 46 seconds of silence as called for by the Reverend Al Sharpton as he addresses the group there. I want to talk to you in the last few minutes of this segment uh, about a, a fascinating twist in a story which started Saturday night in Utah's capital city of Salt Lake. We saw some of the darkest moments here in Salt Lake City in the history of this city as a peaceful protest turned violent. As a police cruiser was turned on its top and set ablaze, we for the first time saw violence of that level. We later saw a civilian's vehicle flipped atop its roof and set ablaze. Not long after that happened, police started asking for help. They sent screenshots from videos saying, hey, public, listen, would you take a look at these and would you let us know if there's anyone you recognize? These individuals have committed a serious crime and justice must be served. Please, will you help? Well, that was Saturday. And then on Monday... A new group turned out, or at least a new attitude turned out, and that was one truly of peace. There were sure some arrests, but not for any violent offenses. As I've moved around the city in the, the days since, I haven't seen the graffiti that I saw after Saturday night. I haven't seen the broken windows I saw after Saturday night. 
And as Monday night's protest was coming to an end, there appeared to be a standoff of sorts between protesters and two lines of police officers on two ends of a street, essentially blocking those protesters in. A hero stepped forward. A hero with a megaphone. He was speaking both to the protesters as well as the police. He told the protesters, he said, listen, the curfew is in place. We are out here in violation of that curfew. My fellow protesters, we intended this to be a peaceful exercise and to continue with that desire. It's time for us to go home. He then realized that those two lines of police officers essentially were blocking the escape for these protesters, or at least blocking their ability to go home. And so he took it upon himself, once recognizing this situation, to go back and forth with police and negotiate a peaceful exit. And that's how Monday came to a close. That man with the megaphone, the hero of Monday night, peacefully led the protesters home minimizing physical damage, physical harm, damage to public and private buildings and vehicles. It was a remarkable thing to behold. And then here's the twist. Here's the twist. Today I get my hands on some documents. Some documents that show that a man by the same name as the hero of Monday night has been arrested in connection with the burning of that police car on Saturday night. Can you believe that? The hero of Monday may turn out to have been the villain of Saturday. We'll let justice take its course, and there's certainly more to be told of this story. But it's a fascinating twist. A heartbreaking twist, if I'm honest, because I look forward to getting to know this guy. And right now he's behind bars. More to come on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is KSL News Radio.